This is the second part of an introduction of the I Am series that we will be doing between now and June, actually, at Whole Church Gathering. Just to give you some forewarning, I'll show you, show you the next one. Uh, there will be various people sharing over the next few months on different uh, I am declarations of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door or the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And I am the true vine. And Jesus said before Abraham was I am, and these I am declarations, I believe, are based upon the I am revelation that we talked about, that I talked about two weeks ago at this whole church gathering from Exodus chapter 3. So if you go to the next one, I am who I am, Yahweh. Exodus 3 and 13 to 15 says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they said to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And moreover, God said to Moses, This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. As I said then, a couple of weeks ago, the people groaned out. God remembered his covenant and he came down to deliver them. He raised up this deliverer, Moses. So much of uh, the Exodus story is central to us understanding the saving power and the saving work of God. And then we looked at a couple of the Uh, compound names of God that I am the Lord who what? Who provides Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord who heals Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who is your peace. Jehovah Shalom. And testimonies actually come in the following week. Uh, Wendy had a wonderful testimony of provision and I'm going to ask her now to just come up and very briefly share that. Yes, great. Um, I'm Wendy uh, Morton. And um, in December of last year, I uh, joined the chaplaincy team at the Causeway Hospital in Korean. Uh, I volunteer there along with a group of paid chaplains. And it's a role I'm loving and enjoying. But um, Paul spoke about Jehovah Jireh, and um, that is a name of the Lord that I always have loved. Um, growing up, I, um, I needed to rely on Jehovah Jireh. But um, I had, after I started onto the chaplaincy course, uh, I had read about a course in England uh, that I would love to do online. And I got the information about it, and I scrolled down and I saw the figure of £2,000. So that sort of thought, well, that's that put on the back burner. 
So when Paul was uh, asked us specifically, do you remember he asked us to pray in the service for a particular provision? Now, I have to be very honest, I didn't pray for anything specifically because I have to admit that I probably am a fairly self-sufficient person and for which I have to repent very often. But um, on the Monday night after the service on the Sunday, um, I got an email from this person and only two or three people knew that I was considering the course. And it says, um, I just haven't got it, but it said, Dear Wendy, um, I have been thinking about you over the last few days. And uh, I know of your interest in doing the course at Waverley Abbey in England. And he said, it would be my joy and privilege to sponsor you to do the course. I, uh, um, I mean, I, I have never, ever, ever had that in my life. And I am not scared to tell you my age. I'm 66. And um, the Lord absolutely blessed the socks of me Amen. by doing that. So please come to church with the expectancy that God is going to meet our needs. It's not something that's a way out there. He's meeting our daily needs. And what a lovely, lovely blessing it has been to me. Thank you. So, we did pray during uh, that time. And we, we said, hallowed be the name Jehovah Jireh. Hallowed be the name Jehovah Rapha. Hallowed be the name Jehovah Shalom. Let's do that again. And it would be great to have a testimony the next time, perhaps, of a healing, wouldn't it? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Be Yahweh who provides, the God who sees to it. Be Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. Be Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who brings peace even in the midst of conflict. But I want to look at some other of the compound names of God now. This one, Yahweh Emkadesh, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Leviticus 27 and 8 says, well, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am Yahweh your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. So, has anyone had their devotional times in Leviticus this week? Anyone's good? Some spent their devotional time in Leviticus. Uh, most read Leviticus out of duty rather than desire. It's the Word of God. And some new believers start reading the Bible. I've worked with some new believers and they suddenly find the Bible and start in Genesis. Through Genesis is okay, although it could be, an, if it was made into a movie, an 18-rated movie, Genesis, parts of it, 
And Exodus, well, it's the stories of God's power and it's, it's a narrative. And then they get to Leviticus and they give up. Leviticus, there's lots of regulations and rights and rules mentioned. And they can be confusing and heavy going. But Leviticus is God's word. There's a revelation of God, of himself in Leviticus. And when, what we can see in Leviticus is that sin matters. And that sacrifice really matters to God. That blood sacrifice really matters to God. And that's important. And chapter 20, verses 7 and 8 is a key to understanding the book, I think. For there God is named. He says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am the Lord who makes you holy. You can't be holy without God. And some try and they end up in a mess. They end up in legalism and they end up in bondage. You can't be holy without God. Here's a question. What color is holiness? What color is holiness? Of course, we can't say that what color holiness is. But it's bright and it's beautiful. If holiness is not beautiful, it's not holiness. Because what what does the psalmist say? Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And unfortunately, sometimes the way the church has preached holiness and holiness movements have developed, they haven't been very beautiful. They've been the opposite of beautiful. And they degenerate kind of Holiness kind of preaching can degenerate into something quite dark and ugly and controlling and binding and limiting. You get the picture of what I'm trying to say. And that's why we need to know the Lord who makes holy. In primitive times, what is holiness? What is sanctification? One way of understanding it is in primitive times when material was dyed, it didn't die evenly. The science quite hadn't developed, the processes and the engineering hadn't quite developed. And so to get a, a, a useful garment or a beautiful garment, you would cut out the bit that did die well, that, that looked good. That's what sanctification is. It's the cutting out, it's the separation, separating out for a good purpose. For a good purpose. For a beautiful purpose. And I'll say if we don't look like a beautiful people, then we're not a holy people. But if God's holiness is on us, then there will be beauty. Even in Leviticus, God says, I am the Lord who makes you holy. You need me to be holy. But we're new covenant people. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit. Not just air, but holy air empowering us. That's good news. Holiness preaching should be good news. Let's look now to Yahweh and Kadesh. Lord, we hallow your name. And Lord, where there's areas of our life that are neither holy nor beautiful, uh, we need your help. We can't change. We can't be separated out 
for you and for your good purposes without you. Forgive us when we've tried to do it by ourselves. Amen. The next one is Yahweh Rohai. I am the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 23, 1, 3, very familiar. We've touched, we touched a little on the nature of shepherds and shepherding in the teaching on church leadership recently. And in a few weeks' time, another person, Jonathan, is going, uh, still is going to contemplate the I am the good shepherd declaration of Jesus. They, those are declarations of Jesus. The good news is, and just on the way through, that this name means that we can experience God guiding us and guarding us and governing us, governing us as shepherd. He comes with a rod of authority to, to lead and, and to protect us. And I don't know whether you feel you need shepherded right now in your life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be shepherded, we could say. You're going to call on the shepherd this morning? Do you feel like you need guarded? Do you feel like you need guided? Guidance can be presented sometimes as a bit of an enigma and difficult. Yield to the shepherd. I have found yielding to the shepherd makes guidance an awful lot easier. The next one I want to look at is Yahweh said, Can you? I am the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5 to 6. Behold the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Not just the Lord is righteousness, by the way. And he is. But he is the Lord our righteousness. Virtue signaling may have some impact on a horizontal level with others. But it has no impact whatsoever in our relationship with God. And there's a hell of a lot of virtue signaling going on in our society. Word used on purpose. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Isaiah 64, 6. Encouraging words? Not. But they are. If you come to the end of your self-righteousness... We talk about calling people to repentance from sin. We need to call them to repent from their own good works and their own self-righteousness. There is none righteous, no, not one. So hear the good news. God made him, this one spoken of, this one prophesied of, Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
2 Corinthians 5.21. Good news. And our boast is not in our own virtue and our own righteousness. Oh, it's so tiring and so boring to keep down that track. Our, ver- our boast is not in our own virtue and righteousness, but in Christ Jesus who became to us what wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 1, 30 to 31. It would, I'm not going to do it now, it would be useful sometime to just get a dictionary. They're online, Bible dictionary. What does that mean? Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. And have a big feast. Feast your mind on those words. The next one that I want us to look at is Yahweh Shammah. I am the Lord is there. The closing words of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 48, 35. And the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Anyone have their devotions in Ezekiel this week? Leviticus and oh, there's someone who did. Leviticus, Leviticus and Ezekiel uh, are, as I say, books we sometimes read because we have to, not because we want to. And it's uh, hard, quite hard to read and understand Ezekiel. There are mysterious prophecies which are hard to follow when reading them, let alone understanding them. But understanding to whom Ezekiel was originally directed really helps. So it was written to a remnant of Jews who were in exile in Babylon. What are exiles? They're more than refugees. They're kidnapped. And they're in Babylon. Echoes of us, according to Peter. The closing words of Ezekiel is one of those compound names of God we've been referring to. You see it there, Yahweh Shammah, I am the Lord, is there. And these exiles would have believed that God was, that God existed. They believed in a transcendent, sovereign God. But he was somewhere else. They would have believed that he was in a box somewhere else. In the temple, the Ark of the Covenant. He was in a box far away, but not there with them. And then, in, I believe it's in Ezekiel 10, there's a prophecy about Yahweh departing the temple and standing at the east gate facing Babylon. And that would have been quite shocking to those, to that remnant of Jews. What? So, what does this mean? It means that. This name reveals that God is not far away. But even in a place of wickedness and sin, Yahweh is there. Even in Babylon. And I think that's a very good motif for us. And as this age draws to a close and there's an exponential change in what's happening around us, Things have exponentially changed in this last two years. Watch out. The exponential change is only increasing. We are in a kind of Babylon. Are we faithful and are we confident 
in God, I am the Lord is there. Of course, this uh, transcendence is right. We need to worship a God who is other. But there's also the eminence of God. Of course, that is supremely revealed in Jesus. One of my favorite verses, probably the verse that I see everything through. We all have verses, we all have paradigms um, that we see things through. Mine is Matthew 4.17. Jesus went about proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. Or let me put it this way in a paraphrase. Think again, have another thought. God is here, God is now. In Jesus, God is here and God is now. That's the good news of the kingdom. And we're living in this kind of overlap, this overlap moment. And because we're living in this overlap, there'll come a day when we will know and experience Yahweh, Yara, in completely and totally. But we can experience what has been testified about this morning. There'll come a day when Yahweh, Rapha, will uh, manifest complete healing. But what about his kingdom come now? That we may experience something of the inbreaking rule of God. So maybe you feel like God is somewhere else. Right now, in a minute or two, we're going to turn our attention towards him and sing songs about his name, etc., etc. You can experience the nearness of God, the God who is there. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of Yahweh, Shammah. Maybe it's a while since you've known his presence. You can know his presence today. Have another thought. Think again. God is here. God is now. Hallowing this name, Yahweh Shammah, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, is there, can intersect with our lives in very concrete, applicable ways. When I was preparing this, uh, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 came to mind. Maybe it's something, maybe it's something for someone that the Spirit of God is bringing. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, are we immersed in his name? Are we immersing others in his name? Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You go, or as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
I'm pretty clear on my understanding of what water baptism is, and we proclaim it quite clearly here, what we think it is. We believe it's complete immersion. And, but I will say this, I don't go to this text anymore for my understanding of water baptism. I think it means something much more than that. I think it's, that it's the responsibility and discipleship to immerse people in the Trinitarian understanding of God. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. I think that's what it means. And the work and the privilege of discipleship is that we practice, that we practice, and we practice that discipleship in the authority of Jesus, that, that Jesus has been given in heaven and on earth. And we immerse, soak, baptize people in the name, in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit. And we need to keep returning to worshiping God and the magnificence of his name. And I believe in all the compound names that we have looked at, that the, the, the Father and the Son and the Spirit are working together for the manifestation of those names. This week is the day of that great apostle to this island, Patrick. And he's renowned for helping pagans understand the Godhead using the shamrock as an illustration. So wouldn't it be a good time for us as a church this week, this time, to pray for spiritual renewal again in Ireland, north and south and east and west, so that the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit would be hallowed. That the name of God would be known. That the Lord would raise up not another Patrick, but many Patricks. Now's a good time to ask for that. Our Father, the one in the heavens all around us, hallowed and honored and worshipped be thy name. Your kingdom come. And your will be done here on earth, here in Ireland, north, south, east, and west, as it is in heaven. Give us the things we need. Forgive us as we forgive others. Lead us. Deliver us from the evil one. We worship your name, Lord. Glorify your name. Glorify your name, Lord.